hold on to me as we go as we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560 FM 977 KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com with your host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Kern County's most listened to realtor. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. You can either Google the McCarty Group, that's M-C-C-A-R-T-Y, or call 661 661- 665 sold. That's 661-665-7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you. Let them make you their next success story. And a good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing this morning? Everything is going well. The one thing we we started on this morning was, you know, I have an 11-year-old son. Right. Why is it I, I clean his room? Uh-huh. It could be 30 minutes later. I know. It's a mess again. How does if, that happen? If it makes you feel any better, I have a 22-year-old son. <laughs> does it, does it Actually, he's end? not even 22 yet. It's <laughs> so crazy. I just I was thinking about that, too. And, and I mean, if you looked at my room or my desk or any of that, uh-huh. I'm a clutter guy. I, uh-huh. I just am. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it happens so fast. In a flash. It's like, I swear we cleaned this yesterday. Yes. And, but it's a you mess know, again. here is, I'm just going to tell you what the sign on my desk says. Uh, the sign of a cluttered desk is the sign of a genius mind. Oh. That's my story, and I'm going to stick with it, okay? <laughs> I love it. Oh, my goodness. So, how's your weekend going so far? It is going great. It has been busy. You know, we're always talking about how this market is fast-paced. And you know what, Adelaide? That is how I would describe my weekends. Mm. Um, Gosh, that whole rest and relaxation thing that some people experience on the weekends. (laughs) Yeah, that's not happening if you work in real estate right now. Yeah, but how does the saying go? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Well, that is how the proverb goes. But even though real estate is my career... Honestly, it also happens to be my passion. Oh, good, good. You know, I really do enjoy what I do, um, so it doesn't really feel like work, uh, at least most of the time. I mean, and I'm sure that's how you must feel when you produce the radio show, right? Oh, I love to be here. It's a great show. I learned so much, and and yeah, it's like one of those things you forget that it's it's work. Absolutely, it's so much fun. And but I mean, really, don't you ever take time off though? Well, of course I do. It's just not. As regularly planned as most people's, right? I don't work Monday through Friday, take two days off, right? Mm. Um, So, for instance, I kind of go, 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 and then I'll have a day where, magically, there's no appointments or people had to reschedule, and I'll just, like, crash for the whole day. I'll be kind of a vegetable. Um, (laughs) Or I'll have a conference out of town, and I'll grab a day or two, either at the beginning or at the end of it, 
to explore that surrounding area. I like that. That's a great way to combine business and pleasure. I think so. And while it's not your traditional vacation that most people take, frankly, it works for me. That's awesome. And So, Lori, you mentioned earlier that this is a fast-paced market. Can you give us any predictions on when that'll change? Well, frankly, Adelaide, I don't see it changing anytime soon. I mean, now with mortgage rates on the rise, Mm. you may start to see a slight slowdown in the market. A little less activity, maybe a little less intensity. Hmm, why is that? I mean, why do you think mortgage rates would cause the market to slow down? Well, as we've discussed in the past, mortgage interest rates have risen this year, and the Federal Reserve has said that they will continue to raise them throughout the remainder of this year, and possibly beyond, in an effort to help curtail inflation. So Hmm. as interest rates go up, the monthly affordability of housing goes down. Um, That is, it becomes less affordable, at least for those buyers that are financing a portion of their their purchase, right? Mm -hmm. So that at some point, as mortgage rates continue to rise, entry-level home ownership becomes unattainable for some buyers because, quite simply, they're priced out of the market. Mm. Um, Additionally, Move-up buyers may determine that the increased cost associated with their new dream home, between the high appreciation rates that we've experienced and the rising interest rates, is just too high, and they may decide to stay put. However, even if this does happen, which it probably will, experts are not predicting a crash. Really? Why not? Well, because buyer demand is still incredibly high. And it's outpacing our supply of homes that are available to sell. So even if you have some buyers that decide not to purchase a home, there will still be demand. I mean, a few buyers leaving the market is not going to cause it to crash. There would have to be a significant shift in inventory levels. And by that, I mean a significant increase in order to have a major impact on our market. Or conversely, There would have to be a significant increase in interest rates to also dramatically impact our market activity. Mm. Okay, now this is a bit of a scary thought, but what happens if we have both? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is a bit of a scary thought. Um, So fortunately, the Federal Reserve Bank is smart enough to know that a dramatic increase in interest rates would have a dramatic impact on our overall economy, and one that would be difficult to adjust to. Um, So that's why historically, when they intend to raise rates, they signal it in advance so that markets can adjust uh, Mm. to those changes. For example, when they were planning on raising it in March of this year, back in January, we knew that was coming, Mm. right? Mm. Um, And so currently, they've signaled that they intend to implement rate hikes um, at their remaining, let's see, six meetings this year in order to help, hopefully, rein in inflation. Okay, so we can be fairly certain mortgage interest rates will rise, but what about the inventory levels? Well, that's where a crystal ball would come in real handy about now. (laughs) Um, So obviously, at some point, there will be a convergence of increasing inventory and increasing interest rates where the market will eventually stabilize. What those magic numbers are, I wish I could tell you. 
all we can do is continue to share with you what we're seeing in the market week by week. Fair enough? Fair enough. <laughs> so now back to something you said earlier. Why would buyers let mortgage interest rates determine whether or not they purchase a home? Well, it, it might not necessarily be that they were choosing to exit the market, right? It's not necessarily that they say, oh, I'm not going to buy a home at 5% or 6% mm-hmm. interest rate, right? Although there are some buyers that say, Mm-mm, sorry, that, that just sounds like too high of a number. Seriously, mm-hmm. talk to your parents that you know bought a mortgage <laughs> at a much higher rate. Um, but honestly, it might simply be that they no longer have the ability to purchase a home. Mm, can you explain that a little further? Oh, of course. I mean, mortgage interest rates play a huge role in a person's purchasing power, which, of course, is the price um, of the home that you can afford based on the budget that you have available. So naturally, if interest rates start to increase, you won't be able to afford the same home on the same budget. Hmm. Um, In a nutshell, you'll be paying more for the same home as the interest rates rise. And to put it in perspective for you, a $300,000 mortgage at a 5% interest rate would cost nearly $350 more per month just on the principal than that same amount borrowed at 3% interest. So that's pretty substantial. I mean, I think to the average homeowner, that's a, a large difference, right? Yeah, yeah 350 bucks A month. A month, yeah. Okay, yeah, we're so. not talking a year. We're talking a month. A month. <laughs> so yeah, that can, that can put a little dent in your Would in put your a dent in my budget. Absolutely. And that does make sense. I don't like the sound of it, though. Is there anything buyers could do in response to the climbing interest rates? Absolutely. Um, I strongly recommend that buyers talk to a lender and get pre-approved um, right away. They, they should be in visiting with their lender now and starting that pre-approval process. This way, they can actually lock in their rate. Um, mm. The mortgage interest rate, of course, is what's going to determine your monthly payment um, as well as the total lifetime cost of your mortgage. And until you lock it in, the current rates can change due to market fluctuations, just like the stock market fluctuates mm. on a daily <laughs> basis. right? So if you lock in your rate when you deem it appropriate, it's going to allow you to properly budget for the future costs of your new home. Now, you, you mentioned daily change? Oh, daily. Sometimes okay. <laughs> a couple of times a day. Now, what if someone gets pre-approved, but they haven't found the house of their dreams quite yet? Oh, well, that's easy because the pre-approval isn't good for just one specific house. Instead, your lender is going to provide you with a specific dollar amount that you're pre-approved for, and it'll be an up to that Mm. dollar amount. So if you haven't found the home that you want yet, it's okay. Once you provide all of the required documentation and get the mortgage pre-approval letter from a bank or a lender, it's typically going to be valid for 60 to 90 days. So that means that if you choose that rate lock option, if you go with a lender that has a rate lock option, sometimes they call it a lock and shop option, right? Okay. That then your rate is also going to be locked for that period of time. Now, I will warn you, 
you really don't want your rate to expire during the escrow process because to extend it will cost additional funds. Okay. Okay. Um, So once you get that pre-approval letter, call your favorite realtor and start shopping. Okay. 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 So can you start shopping for a home prior to getting pre-approved? I mean, that way you don't have to worry about the possibility of your rate lock expiring. Well, you would think so, right? But Mm. a prudent buyer is not going to do that. Okay. Okay. And I'm not going to advise that you do that. Uh, In fact, I'm going to advise against it. Um, Number one, not a lot of agents um, are going to want to show you homes without you being pre-approved. You know that saying of, don't count your chickens before they hatch? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like that. You don't want to start shopping for a home without knowing what your budget is. That pre-approval amount is going to help guide you in terms of your budget, and it'll help you determine how expensive of a home you're actually able to buy. I mean, think about it. How disappointing would it be to fall in love with a house, scramble to go get pre-approved so you can write up an offer, and then find out that you don't qualify for enough to purchase that home? I mean, I think that would be a huge letdown. Yes. Or even worse, what about this scenario? You find the home of your dreams. You haven't had time to get pre-qualified. You've got a deadline, and you know you qualify for that property, right? Mm -hmm. You get your offer written, but you don't have a pre-approval. And then the seller won't even consider your offer because there's no pre-approval letter. Yeah, both of those would be disappointing situations. But what all does it take to get pre-approved? Well... The big things are paperwork, 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 (laughs) and being steadily employed for at least two consecutive years in the Mm. same line of work. Um, Mm. Potential buyers are going to need to show documentation that proves their assets and their income, you know, their credit rating, um, employment verification, obviously. Um, And then there's going to be a bunch of other documentation so that you can be pre-approved for that mortgage. Um, But before you start gathering all of that information, talk to a lender. Um, They're going to tell you what specific documents they're wanting. Each lender is a little different. Each type of loan is a little different. And if you don't have a good lender, Give us a call. We'll be happy to recommend a couple of great lenders here in town. Awesome. And I felt like we, yeah, we talked, was it Christy, when we talked about a checklist? Mm-hmm. Here's the checklist. It Absolutely. Looks, it can look daunting. Yep. But the sooner you start on it, the sooner you get the process going. Yep. All right. Now, you mentioned credit. Uh-huh. Will the lender run a credit check tre- check during this time? You betcha. Um, they want to run your credit because they need to make sure you are credit worthy. I mean, most lenders are going to require a FICO score of 620 or higher for them to approve your loan. And um, lenders are typically going to reserve the lowest interest rates for customers that have a credit score of 760 or higher. Um, Now, FHA guidelines do allow borrowers with a score of 580 or higher to pay as little as 3.5% down. Um, And those with lower scores, of course, have to make bigger down payments, Mm. okay? Lenders are often going to work, though, with borrowers with a low or moderately low credit score and help suggest ways to improve your score so that you can qualify. 
And again, if you find yourself in that position, maybe you've been through um, a stressful situation, uh, uh, given COVID, maybe you've had Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. employment hardships, call us. We're happy to help put you on the right track. Let me, can I, before I ask this next question, mm-hmm. what if like a married couple yeah, or, or you have a partner and you're like, Hey, we want to buy this together. Right. Both scores are taken into account. If both incomes are being used to qualify mm. both scores and both debts. Ah, okay. Okay. So, so if one of you has all the income, but bad mm. credit, Ooh. we got a problem. Okay. Okay. Right? Gotcha. And the other one's got Great credit, but no income. You still got a problem. You got a problem. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. okay. So, when, so when I'm dating, look for somebody with a good credit Absolutely. score. Absolutely, we've talked income. about this, Adelaide. You want to see their credit score, right? <laughs> yes. Put that right on the dating app, right in the front, right under your profile. <laughs> well, this is this is great information, and I've been wondering though. When are the prices going to drop? I mean, with inflation being so high, it's getting hard for people to afford the necessities. I mean, are home values expected to tank anytime soon? Well, Adelaide, while I empathize with those who are struggling, I really do. Mm. Um, particularly when I go to the grocery store or to the, the gas, gas station. Pump. I'm, oh, I'm uh-huh. so, I, I sit there in my car going, oh, please, please, please. <laughs> um, and and I know in the housing market, it is really tough for first-time buyers um, that are finding it really hard to break into the market. Yeah. But honestly, I don't think the prices of homes are going to drop anytime soon. Really? Why is that? Well, let's talk about what affects those home prices. But I tell you what, before we do that, why don't we take a short break? Because I know we've been yakking here for quite a while and i'm sure people would like to rest their ears for just a moment go grab a drink so if that's okay with you why don't we take a short break and when we come back we'll go through all of this excellent sounds like a plan all right so you're listening to the kern county real estate review with laurie mccarty of the mccarty group at coldwell banker preferred realtors on 1560 am 97.7 fm knzr and streaming live on knzr.com We'll be right back. Hi, Dennis Prager here for Lori McCarty, host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. If you've got questions about real estate, she's got answers. Tune in every Sunday at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR 1560 AM 97.7 FM. Now that's smart. back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And now, Lori, before the break, we were talking about home prices possibly going down. Uh-huh. I saw you thinking over there, but wait, are you trying to avoid the question here? <laughs> no, What's going no, on? No, not me. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, so... so Really, I did. I looked at the clock and thought, wow, we've been talking for a while. Um, you know, some days I just get on a roll. What can yes, I say? Yes, it's fun. <laughs> um, but so so here's what I'm thinking. Let's talk about what affects home prices. So 
historically, um, home prices rising and falling can be traced to a lot of different factors. Some of those include mortgage rates. They would include inflation, um, some historical events like economic recessions, right? That has an Mm. impact. And then, of course, there are state-to-state or or city-to-city migration rates, um, you know, just to name a few things. Um, And if you look back in the decades between the 1950s and 2020, um, honestly, we saw some pretty significant home price fluctuations, especially the period between the post-war 1950s to the late 1980s. There, we saw a steady rise in home prices, minus a few little bumps along the road. Now, the recession in the early 90s um, did produce a a minor little real estate bubble um, that burst, um, ultimately bringing the uh, sort of a nominal dip in home prices. Um, Significant price drops in the housing market didn't really materialize until the 2008 recession and, you know, I think it's called the Great Recession mm-hmm. and the credit crisis, right? Mm, yeah. um, so the real estate housing market hadn't really experienced anything like that since the 1930s, since the Great Depression. Mm. Um, and even though they didn't track numbers for home prices back then, Home production rates in the 30s dropped by a whopping 90%, which pretty well proves the trends um, were on a downward trajectory in the U.S. housing market at that Mm. time. Um, I picture picture that time where people are like, you've got multifamilies just crashing into one house. Absolutely. That's the only way you could do that, right? Absolutely. It's the only way you could survive. Okay. I, I think we're all very fortunate that we didn't live in the 30s, right? Yes, yes. Um, yes. Or that you and I didn't, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, jeez. Um, because that, that would have been a horrible time. Mm-hmm. Much like 2008 was a horrible time, mm-hmm. right? Yes, oh yeah. Um, so overall, when you look at the real estate market, while it's sensitive to other external market forces, real estate housing market has actually proven to be relatively robust over time, and a great builder of wealth. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that in 2008 was when we really saw the prices tank. Right. Like, compared to now, 2022, is there any difference from 08? Oh, oh yes. Um, so, to understand how right now is completely different from what was going on in 2008, you really need to, to understand why that bubble burst in 2008. Um, so bear with me a minute, um, as I'd like to give you as complete, but as short of an explanation as I can. So in a nutshell, we had a home building boom and shoddy lending practices that wound up damaging the housing market. And it led to an oversupply of housing and frankly, the collapse of the subprime mortgage industry. That of course was then quickly followed by rising mortgage rates and record foreclosures. I remember back during this time um, when foreclosures were coming in hard and heavy, um, noted economist Robert Schiller um, 
said something to the effect that the decline we were experiencing right then um, was greater than at any time since, like, the beginning of World War One in 1941, Ooh. which I, I said World War I, I meant World, World War Two, II, II. right? God, <laughs> two. get your yeah. history right, Laurie. Um, but, you know, that was really a, a economically, World War Two was great for the country because it yes. did pull us out of yeah. a recession. There were jobs, there was manufacturing, right? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. So... When we look at the housing boom in the U.S. in the early to mid-2000s, we had mortgage lenders who were seeking to capitalize on those rising home prices, and they became really far less restrictive in terms of the types of borrowers that they approved for loans. In fact, many lenders began to expand their definition of creditworthiness and they extended mortgages to buyers with poor credit histories um, who, frankly, didn't fit any previous definition of a desirable borrower. Wow. You know, it, mm-hmm. if you think back to the 80s, greed is good. You know, <laughs> yeah. lenders were trying to find a way to pad their pockets. Like, mm-hmm. we need to make more, right? Like, uh, let me ask you this then. Back then, when you say expand your credit worthiness, is that is that more of a like would take lower credit scores, absolutely less income? Yes, I was trying proof to be of income. <clears throat> nice, but okay. yeah, okay. They they extended credit to borrowers who had no business getting a loan. Oh boy, okay, okay. okay. Um, they seized, in fact, on these high risk loans and began to buy them as what was called mortgage backed securities. Um, so they packaged them as investments that were secured by mortgages. Um, and it was a product that became very, very popular, uh, but was largely misunderstood by the average investor. There was a huge demand for this type of investment. Um, but that kind of fueled this risky lending practice, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, one kind of fed on the other, chicken egg, which came first, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it just got out of control. Um, meanwhile, while this was going on, housing prices were escalating. The Federal Reserve Bank also began raising the interest rate, right? Mm-hmm. So you had housing mm-hmm. prices rise, interest rates going up. Now, those that had fixed-rate mortgages, they were unaffected. But millions of new borrowers back then had mortgages with adjustable-rate mm. loans, okay, adjustable-rate mortgages. Some of them even had negatively amortizing adjustable-rate mortgages, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, and so many of them defaulted. That brought more inventory into the housing market, causing prices to continue to plummet, Right. Wow, when you but, but and I knew you were going to bring that up because I thought about that the the adjustable rates. How fast would your payment go up? Well, so you would have situations where you would have this low interest rate, qualifying rate, mm-hmm. low qualifying rate, right, yeah. for a couple of years, and then you would have a three percent jump. Oof. Yeah, it's huge. We just saw what a two percent jump does. Yep. Yep. Right. Oh wow! Wow. Okay. So. Honestly, the subprime mortgages are really to blame for what happened in 2008, 
But fortunately, lending rules and regulations are much more stringent now. Mm. Not just anyone can get a mortgage. I mean, back then we kind of joked, if you can breathe, you can get a loan, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, the tightening of mortgage guidelines, I think it's a really good thing. It protects all of us from having a repeat of 2008. It protects all of us who pay taxes from bailing out mm-hmm. all of those mortgages, right? Mm-hmm. People getting mortgages today are far more qualified buyers, meaning that even if there is a downturn in the market, they are far less likely to foreclose or lose their home. Mm-hmm. So. I think these lending guidelines and regulations are one of those things that makes 2022 so much different than 2008. Okay? Mm. People who are buying today can't get a subprime loan. That okay. they're just not, right? Yeah. You've got to have great credit. I just talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, We talked earlier, too, that in 2008, we had that home building boom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So there was an oversupply of homes. Hmm. You think that's happening right now? Mm -hmm. No. Um, (laughs) Today, we're on the complete other spectrum, um, the complete other side of that spectrum, right? Um, And if I want to put it in perspective for you, I think in 2005, 2006, um, nationwide, Housing construction was at a peak, and the U.S. had approximately 2.2 million housing starts. Recent statistics show that that number, which would be annualized over 2022, would be at 1.7 million, so substantially less. So even if there are some foreclosures that pop up, they'll be purchased right away. And there is such a shortage of housing that these foreclosures won't sit on the market very long at all. So hopefully all of that makes sense as to why today is so different than 12, 14 years ago. Yeah, and I even I feel like I remember, too, people would just they'd build a, a new street of houses. Someone would come in and buy all of them and then and then sell them individually. And at a huge markup. I Yeah, I think there was yeah. a lot of that going on yeah. Okay, yeah. back well, that, in the 2005 and six market. Absolutely. And I mean, this all putting all this together, it really makes a lot of sense. I mean, thank you for the explanation because you look back and you're like, please, we can't do that again. I know. And, and we're I not. Know. And we're not. So. <laughs> all right. Now, Lori, it is almost beginning to be summertime. I know. Woohoo. Can't you know, wait. Which is, which is great for. Well, I got my spray tan. I'm just <laughs> telling you. I couldn't wait. I, I like, wondered. I was like, tanning booth or spray? I nope. Spray. <laughs> spray. Shout out to uh, Becky at Glow Girl. It was great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, and with that, I mean, talking back to real estate, is it a good time to sell? I mean, does the time well, of isn't it always? I mean, no, seriously, that's a great question, and and one I get asked all the time. Like, is now the time to sell? You know, historically speaking, spring and summer are the best times to list your home. A lot of families consider moving during the summer because kids are out of school and. They want to get into a new home and possibly a new school district prior to the start of the new school year. And by moving in the summer, it disrupts their children's schedule a little less. Although, interestingly enough, studies show that if you're moving to a different city 
or to a different school district, you might actually want to consider moving during the school year because sometimes it's easier, particularly if we have shyer children, for them to make new friends at school rather than to try to seek them out in the neighborhood. But as long as you have selected a great agent who has a fantastic marketing plan for your home, really, you can get away with selling your home any time of the year. It just might be a little faster if you list it right now. Mm, okay, so, well, you might really hate this question, but I've been dying to ask it. You're going to ask me a question I'm going to hate? I don't think so. Uh, well, well, you decide, but okay. in, in a market like this, with houses selling in just a few days, does it matter who someone lists their house for sale with? I mean, can't they just pick the agent with the cheapest commission so they can get the, uh, so they can actually make the most money? You shouldn't feel bad at all about asking this question. I hear it a lot. Mm. Um, so even though houses are selling in just a few days, that doesn't mean you should list your home with just anyone. Your home will only sell quickly if it's priced correctly mm. and has the right marketing. Not all agents are able to do that. So why would you entrust the sale of your largest assets with someone who values their services so little? Mm. I mean, I don't think money should be your only consideration. Mm, so what should sellers look for in an agent? Oh, great question. So let me start out first by sharing with you what uh, many of our clients have, have shared with us uh, were the criteria that they helped evaluate agents on. Um, so most of them, not surprisingly, started their search online. They checked out the potential agents' reviews on various sites, particularly Google, um, because they wanted to see how past clients rated their experience and past performance is obviously a great indicator of future behavior, right? Mm. Then next, um, I think they looked at an agent's listings online. They wanted to determine if they were using a professional photographer mm. and if the descriptions of the properties were enticing. Um, they also wanted to know if um, they were using video or 3D walkthroughs. If the answer was no, frankly, they moved on. Hmm. Um, they wanted to ensure that they felt comfortable with the agent they selected um, and that they had a marketing plan that covered all the bases. I think probably, as I'm thinking back, the last common denominator would be availability and accessibility. Mm. Um, unfortunately, I have heard some horror stories from some clients that used a limited services broker to save money and were very frustrated that they had no contact after the initial meeting. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now, from my perspective, obviously I could share you know, a list, a page long uh, to look for. But I think in this context, there are a couple of things I'd like to highlight for you. I would want to make sure that you confirm that Kern County is their home base. I mean, maybe you could ask them how many homes they've sold in Kern County over the last six months um, okay. or year. Because um, if they aren't local, I would really think twice about it. Um you really want someone that knows our area and is here when you need them. And then also, I would make sure that this is their career, not their side hustle. Right? Yes. yes. I mean, I, 
I personally would have a hard time trusting the sale of my single most valuable asset to someone whom this is not their profession. Mm. So, you know, I think you can look at all these different ways to try to help evaluate potential agents to interview for the job of selling your home. Um, You know, another suggestion I have for you is to talk to your family and friends and, and see who they might recommend. You know, I'd love to to just tell you, all of you out there to pick up the phone and call me, right? Mm. But I, I think it's important that you do your homework, right? Mm. You have to feel comfortable and confident that the agent you select is the expert in the area and the one that you feel is going to sell your home. If commission is really the number one deciding factor for you, tell that to the agent when you meet them. I just wouldn't let commission be the single deciding factor when selling your largest asset. You know, there's a reason that top agents get top dollars for homes. Hmm, interesting. I even had one one of my buddies share with me. He's all, hey, if you're looking for somebody you're not familiar, but you know what neighborhood you want to go into, mm-hmm. drive around and see whose signs pop up the most. In days of old. That would have been a great strategy. But in today's market, we are selling homes so fast, we're not putting up signs. (laughs) No signs even up. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I have many, many homes that that we don't even put up a for sale sign because it just isn't necessary. Just moves so quick. It moves so quick. And the sellers prefer their privacy and anonymity within the neighborhood. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. They want to tell their neighbors on their schedule when they're selling their home, not when the sign goes up. Okay. Okay. That's great. That's that's great new information for me. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and this is all great advice. And now you mentioned professional photography being important. Why do you think professional photos matter? Well, in the age of the internet and social media, pictures matter. Hmm. Um, you know, statistically... Um, the U.S. population is predominantly visual learners. Um, And when you think about this fast-paced world that we live in, buyers want to see every detail of a home Mm -hmm. before they set aside time to go see it in person. Photos taken by an agent, not a professional um, photographer, um, just don't do homes justice. Uh, It's actually... I find really hard to capture a room and every detail in it. You you would think it would be as easy as holding up your iPhone and just pressing a button, (laughs) but it isn't. Um, There's a reason professional photographers get paid to do their job, right? Mm. They know how to get the right angles, to use top-of-the-line cameras and lenses, uh, and to retouch the lighting so that everything looks just right. Now, don't get me wrong, they don't Photoshop your house to make it look perfect or better or anything like that. Um, that would be deceptive. But their photos really showcase your home in the best possible light. So if you have poor quality iPhone photos of your home on the internet, there's a chance buyers won't even be interested. They'll skip right over. They'll scroll on by. From pictures like that, they really can't see how great your home is. And it would be a shame to lose a potential buyer just because of photography, because your agent chose not to spend a couple of hundred dollars. Yes, yes. And and you know what I even think about, too? If there's no pictures, 
they could be hiding something. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now after the seller actually has had these pictures taken and then the home is listed, how soon do the showings actually start? Well, currently, unless otherwise stated, sellers can expect showings to start that day. Wow. Yeah, so if they don't want showings to start right away, they're going to want to communicate that to their agents. Mm. Let's say they listed on a weekday and, and they don't want showings to start until the weekend. Your agent can make that happen for you. Mm. Just be prepared that once your home is active, it's listed. If it's listed correctly, the price is right, professional photos, great marketing plan, you're going to get lots of attention right away. Mm. So I'm just wondering, why would a seller want to delay? Showings. Well, there, there's a list of a, lots of possible reasons, but the two most prevalent ones are that sellers want to be present for the showings or they're concerned about their pets. Mm. Those are the biggest reasons I see. Hmm. So some sellers want to be home for the showings. Is this a good idea? Do you recommend this? Well, it doesn't happen a lot these days, at least not with my clients, um, mm. but it does happen. And, and honestly, no, I don't recommend it. Hmm. Because when buyers are viewing your home, they want to be able to envision themselves living there. And it's hard to do that with the current owners present. There's a a feeling that, A, you're intruding. And Mm. also I find that when the seller is present, they tend to insert themselves into the showing process, even if they don't intend to initially do so. Mm. I mean, it's their home. They love it. And they want the new potential buyer to love it too. So they want to tell them about all the wonderful features of their new home um, or their new potential home. Mm-hmm. I understand that excitement, but it does make it awkward at times. So let the buyer's agents do their job and show your home. They know their buyer's hot and cold buttons, and you don't. And you don't want to go on and on about a feature that you just love <laughs> about your home. And the buyer is over there trying to figure out how they're going to minimize it because. Ooh, it's the one thing they don't love about your home. <laughs> you know, an event like that could potentially kill a sale. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned pets being one of the reasons why someone would delay showings. Right. What do you recommend people do with their pets during showings of the home? Oh, I get this a lot because, you know, a lot of folks have pets. You know, mm-hmm. we love our fur babies. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be home during showings. Um, and honestly, it happens more often than not. I do recommend that you secure your pets. If you have an area of the backyard where they can be secured, that's that's ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, uh, say, have a dog run, then uh, I would consider purchasing dog crates, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you can even board your dogs if you want uh, or leave them with a friend or a family member or take them on a walk. That's the easiest thing. Take them on a walk during showings. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know our animals think that everybody who comes to the house comes to see them, not the owners, <laughs> them, right? Oh yeah. Um, I really wouldn't recommend letting them run loose in your yard or in your home because while that big black lab may be the sweetest thing ever, <laughs> to someone, he might look so scary, they won't even go in the backyard and miss all the beautiful features of it. Mm, okay, right? yep. What about just doing an open house instead of having a bunch of showings? I mean, is that a good option for sellers? Well, while open houses have their purpose, I wouldn't recommend this, Adelaide. Hmm. Um, they're a great way to generate excitement and to get the word out that your home is for sale. 
But it's also a great way for realtors to find future clients. That is really the intended purpose behind open houses. Um, So just relying on an open house to sell your home, not realistic. Uh, If there's one thing the pandemic should have taught anyone who's buying or selling a home, open houses aren't necessary to sell a home, Mm -hmm. right? We have sold homes through videos. People didn't Mm -hmm. need to come traipse through your home to see it. That's right. So think of an open house as just one tool in the overall marketing plan of selling your home. It isn't 100% necessary, but it can help generate attention for your home. Okay. Now, you mentioned earlier that sellers should let the buyer's agents do their job and show the home. You have a team of buyer's agents, right, Lori? I sure do, Adelaide. Nice. So, But why is that? Do you... Do you not want to work with buyers? <laughs> no, no, no. I do work with buyers occasionally, but I actually think my buyer specialists are much better at it. Uh, um, but I typically represent the sellers. Mm-hmm. Think of a lawyer. There's a reason one attorney doesn't represent both parties in a lawsuit, mm-hmm. and that's the potential for conflict of interest. When it comes to representing buyers and sellers and our fiduciary responsibility, I think of it the same way. Therefore, our buyer specialists represent the buyers, and I represent the sellers. So each of us is an advocate for our respective clients, which helps us eliminate the potential for conflicts of interest. We can represent our clients to our full capacity and without feeling some sense of loyalty to the other party. We look out for our clients' best interest first, while treating everyone with honesty and fair dealing. Honestly, it's very hard to represent both parties in a transaction. It's not impossible. It's just tricky at times. Mm. And we never wanted anyone to ever feel like they weren't fully represented. Yeah, and I'm just thinking if I was a buyer or a seller, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, wait, is she looking out for me or them? Right. Hmm. So, okay, now I understand why you have your team set up the way you do. I think this is a good place for us to take a break, though. What do you think, Lori? Absolutely. But you'll want to stay tuned as up next, I want to talk about how buyers can make their offers more competitive without shelling out a ton of cash. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can peruse all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. You can also request an in-person tour, find out the value of your home, or see the McCarty Group's success stories. Ranked number eight in North America for Coldwell banker and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's top 100 agents for 2021. She is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. It's no fun missing out on the home you love or having to settle for something less just because you couldn't sell your own home quickly. 
I'm Barbara Corcoran. I've worked with thousands of successful real estate agents. Let me help you choose the right agent so this doesn't happen to you. If you're buying or selling in Bakersfield, call Lori McCarty because she offers an immediate cash offer and can help you find great homes before they hit the market. Partner with the right agent. Go to themccartygroup.com and start packing. Listening to KNZR 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Sunday mornings. And Lori, prior to the break, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about how buyers can make their offers more competitive without shelling out a ton more cash. How can they do this exactly? So we're seeing people put in offers over list price, meaning they're offering more than what the house was originally listed for. And while money speaks volumes, and this is a great way to make sure your offer is in the top tier of offers being considered, it isn't the only way. Other options are waiving the home inspection, waiving the appraisal, waiving the loan contingency. These aren't always the best options, so you'll want to talk to your trusted real estate agent to determine if these are good options for you. Now, another option that is not nearly as risky is shortening the inspection window, meaning you will complete the home inspection, termite, any other inspections you choose to do, should you choose to have one, sooner than what is standard in the contract. Hmm, Now, why would shortening the inspection period make your offer more competitive? Well, Adelaide, if the house is going to fall out of escrow, it's typically after the home inspection. A buyer has the opportunity to walk away from the purchase without losing any money until they've completed all investigations on the property and removed all contingencies. So if you shorten the inspection window, the selling agent is going to look at your offer in a more positive light because they know that they will know sooner rather than later the probability of whether or not the deal is going to go through. Hmm, Okay, so now what about those repairs that get brought up during the inspection and possibly the appraisal? Anything in that regard where you can make your offer more competitive? Absolutely. So lender-required repairs are what matters the most, and those get brought up by the appraiser. If you want to make your offer more competitive, include in your offer that you as the buyer will pay for and complete any lender-required repairs that may pop up, assuming you have enough capital to be able to do that. This is going to take some stress off of the seller, and hey, there might not actually be any lender-required repairs, so you might luck out. Hmm, so what exactly are lender-required repairs? Lender-required repairs, as the name suggests are the list of repairs or issues that the appraiser and or the underwriter have identified that the homeowner needs to address 
before a lender can release a loan to the buyer of that home. Okay, so why does the lender care so much about the condition of the home? Simple. In the event the buyer fails to pay the loan, the lender wants to ensure that the property, which is the collateral on that loan, is valuable enough to recover their losses from the non-payment of the debt. That's why most lenders require an appraisal to assess the value of the property. Okay, so what are some examples of lender-required repairs? So different types of loans are going to have different types of repair requirements. All loans are going to require smoke detectors, carbon monoxide devices, and water heater strapping. Now, government loans, so FHA and or VA loans, could require the repair or replacement of chipped and peeling paint and stucco, a self-closing fire-rated door between the home and an attached garage, a correction of exposed electrical wires, an operational heating system, (laughs) AC is optional, Um, (laughs) I find that hilarious here. A swimming pool has to be secured, right? No significant flooring damage, just to name a few. Um, Building code violations or a lack of permitting, that's going to be another common appraisal repair. Mm. Lenders don't want to foreclose on a property uh, and later on have to deal with the government on these types of matters. That's why they are fairly strict on these types of items. Mm. Um, And if you expect to get a loan with a foundation problem, think again. Uh, Structural issues like these are are some of the most significant factors that lenders and appraisers look at. Um, They are actually a huge red flag. Mm. And keep in mind that while the appraiser is the one that initially makes that assessment of what repairs are required, because the value is conditioned on those items being done, in reality – Lender-required repairs can include any fixes that the underwriter of your loan sees fit. Remember that the goal is for the lender to get a positive return on their investment and ensuring that the collateral property has fair market dollar value is vital to accomplishing that. Mm, All right. Hey, well, we're getting to that time. Can I squeeze in one quick question? Okay. You mentioned... If someone like did like an add-on or something that's not uh-huh. permitted, uh-huh. does that come up every once in a while? Oh, like, yes, it does. Because I, I have this feeling I'm just thinking like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to enclose my patio, make it a bedroom. Uh-huh. And then so they so if it's like stuff that's concrete and nails and cement, I mean, they'll have to tear that down probably. So here's the deal. If you are looking at, if you are looking at adding value to that room. Mm-hmm. It needs to be permitted. Okay, so that's through the city, county, yep. through the government. Yep. <laughs> if you are valuing your home without that unpermitted addition, mm. then it may or may not be okay depending on the type of loan you're getting. Interesting. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. but if it needs value, if you want value for that space, with rare exception, Mm-hmm. It needs to be permitted. It needs it, yeah. So you've yeah. got an inspector. You need him to come out or her. Right. And no, mm. you can't just call afterwards when you have a fully finished room and say, oh, okay, I didn't do it. Can you please come um, uh, permit it for me? You know, inspect it and permit it? Because you know what they're going to say? Sure. Rip off this drywall. Take it back to the studs. Let oh. me check the plumbing. Check the electrical. Blah, blah, blah. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ooh, crazy. So, well, this is great information. Thank you for letting me squeeze that in too. Oh, no problem. And, uh, this is another great episode. So well, informative. Hey, the pleasure was all mine and I hope this information was useful. So a heartfelt thanks to all of you listening for tuning in today and for tuning in each and every week. Hopefully there was a little bit of something for everyone today in the variety of topics we covered. Uh, I know Adelaide and I both look forward to visiting with you again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Remember, if there are details of today's show you'd like to revisit or you know someone who would enjoy this information and couldn't tune in this hour, you can catch our Encore presentation each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here on KNZR just before Sean Hannity. Or if that doesn't work, you can hear this and previous shows wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Kern County Real Estate Review and listen to your heart's content. This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review, wishing you and yours a blessed rest of the day and a fantastic week ahead. You're listening to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week. Hey, you confused about real estate? Sean Hannity here, and I can tell you as an active real estate investor, well, just like the stock market, it can go up one day and down the next. Home values and sales, they fluctuate on a dime. Now, even though I bought and sold homes for years all across this great country, one thing I will always do is partner with a sharp real estate agent that truly studies local and national market trends, that knows the real value of homes, and most importantly, knows how to generate demand regardless of the market. And the good news is you have a truly amazing agent right in your backyard. I'm talking about Lori McCarty of Coldwell Banker. She has an amazing team working for her that doesn't miss a single detail. Her system is so bulletproof, well, she can create demand for your home at a deadline that you agree to or she will buy it herself. Now, real estate doesn't have to be frustrating or scary. Call Lori McCarty today at 665-SOLD. That's 665-SOLD online, themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. Go there and you can start packing. Hi, Lori McCarty reminding you to mark your calendars for the first Saturday of each month for our open house, open mic edition of the Kern County Real Estate Review. Tune in at 11 a.m. sharp to get your exclusive backstage pass to our newest open houses hitting the market for the first time that weekend. We'll provide behind-the-scenes tips and chat with my team on location as they bring you Kern County's newest homes. We'll also take your calls and answer your questions, all while sharing the latest in real estate news with local industry experts. So don't forget, be sure to tune in the first Saturday of every month for our open house open mic edition here on KNZR. KNZR.